Well, good morning, church. It's good to see you here this morning. We're in uh, Matthew chapter 16 this morning. Matthew chapter 16. And we're going to be reading verses 1 through 12 of Matthew chapter 16. And the title of the message today is Those Who Will Not See. Those Who Will Not See. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees came, and to test him, they asked him to show them a sign from heaven. He answered them, When it is evening, you you say, it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning it will be stormy, for the sky is red and threatening. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times. An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. So he left them and departed. When the disciples reached the other side, they had forgotten to bring any bread. Jesus said to them, Watch and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. And they began discussing it among themselves, saying, We brought no bread. But Jesus, aware of this, said, O you of little faith, why are you discussing among yourselves the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive... Do you not remember the five loaves for the five thousand, and how many baskets you gathered? Or the seven loaves for the four thousand, and how many baskets you gathered? How is it that you fail to understand that I did not speak about bread? Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Then they understood that he did not tell them to beware of the leaven of bread, but of the teachings of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading and the proclamation of his word. Let's pray together. Father, would you just draw us to yourself? Would you teach us through your word? Would you fill me with your Holy Spirit and help me to to make clear, Lord, uh, the truths of your word? Speak to every heart. Equip us to live for you. Speak to those who need to to walk with you. Never never, uh, cross from death to life. Draw them to yourself. And speak to those who are discouraged and teach us today and draw us to yourself. In Jesus' name, amen. Many facts that we, we think are indisputable and uh, which all rational and thinking human beings should agree on. Most of us understand the earth is round. We have evidence from ships sailing around and planes flying around the world from satellites revolving around planet earth. We have evidence as we look at astronomical data that we look out in the outer space through a telescope and we see other round objects. But do you, know, you realize there are many people who still dispute this indisputable fact? Uh, in fact, since 1917, there's been held in the United States the Flat Earth International Conference. This conference is attended by people all over the world who refuse to believe the Earth is round. Uh, Also today, this is the 50th anniversary of the moon landing where Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin walked on the moon. But still there are many people who believe no one stepped foot on the moon but it was all staged on a movie set somewhere. Even after all these years, uh, after the 9-11 attacks on the Twin Towers and the Pentagon, and even after those uh, brave people... Uh, caused the plane to go down that was trying to attack the White House, uh, there are still people who believe that it was an inside job and not a terrorist plot and spot all the evidence to the contrary. 
You see, we have the idea that if you present people with indisputable truths, uh, indisputable evidence, they can be convinced of truth. But that's not always true. If you bring certain facts or a certain false worldview or a certain preconceived wrong ideas about how things work, all the evidence in the world is not going to convince you of the truth. Now, as we've progressed in Matthew, we have seen how all the evidence in the world would not convince many of the Pharisees and the Sadducees and other Jewish leaders that Jesus was Messiah. No matter what great miracles were done right before their eyes, no matter what irrefutable logic Jesus gave as he taught, they refused to believe. And Jesus continued to reveal himself to them, even though they continued to harden their hearts and not believe. As the old saying goes, there's none so blind as he who will not see. It reminds me of today's atheist. An atheist is one who does not believe in God. They don't believe in any kind of God. And I'm not just talking about those who aren't Christians. I'm talking about those who deny the existence of any supreme being. They say there's no proof that God exists. They deny the abundant proof all around them of creation and how things work and how incredibly complex this is and how it couldn't have just have happened. Uh, they, they deny what Psalm 19 says. The heavens declare the glory of God and the earth uh, proclaim his handiwork. Day to day they pour out speech and night to night reveals knowledge. There's no speech, there's no words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out throughout all the earth and the, and the works to the end of the world. You see, you, you can't look at creation and say it just happened. And if you say that, it's because you have preconceived ideas. It's because you don't want to believe the evidence all around you. In fact, you know, the Bible says about the atheists in particular in two places. It says the fool has said in his heart there is no God. The fool has said in his heart. Now Matthew 16, all the evidence in the world will not convince many of the religious people of Jesus' day that Jesus was Messiah. They wouldn't give up their positions or their status or their privileges or their sin to embrace Jesus and receive him and believe in him. And so they came to Jesus to trip him up. It says to test him. And they asked for some catastrophic sign uh, to prove that Jesus was the Messiah. Well, in the first place, even if Jesus had given them some catastrophic natural sign, kind of supernatural sign, they wouldn't have believed him anyway. Uh, but they came and asked him. And, and there's, certain, there's a certain thing about stubborn uh, unbelief based on the wrong privileges and the wrong interpretations of Scripture. From this passage of scripture, we see a timeless truth. Be sure not to allow your position, status, privilege, and love of sin keep you from the love of Christ. Be sure not to allow your position, status, privilege, or love of sin, or anything else, keep you from the love of Christ. In Matthew 16, in the first few verses, the first 12 verses, I think there are a couple of warnings that we need to take heed to and which we must urge others to heed. 
First of all, uh, be careful to not keep raising questions and seeking evidence while refusing to turn from sin and believe. Be careful not to keep raising questions and seeking evidence while refusing to turn from sin and believe. Now Jesus, in chapter 15, had basically gone into Gentile territory. And he's shown that the gospel was not just uh, for one ethnic group, was not just for the Jews, but for every ethnic group. As Paul said in Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, is the power of God for salvation of everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And he's including everyone in that statement. And the amazing thing is that as Jesus entered the territory of the Gentiles, the Gentiles who did not have God's word, who did not have God's law, they did not have a history of the true God revealing himself to them. Uh, when they saw God working in their midst, it says they praised the God of Israel. They praised the God of Israel when they saw the things that Jesus had done. And he worked mightily and he fed, a, fed a, like 5,000, 4,000 plus the crowd. He, and he, and he uh, freed from demons and he gave uh, uh, hearing to the deaf and speech to the mute. And he did amazing things and they praised the God of Israel. Now Jesus re-enters Jewish territory. Uh, and these hostile Jewish leaders who had God's word, who had God's law, who had a history of the mighty moves of God among them. They had experienced multiple signs and miracles of Jesus. They demanded another sign. They demanded another sign. The Pharisees and the Sadducees came to Jesus to test him, and they asked for a sign from heaven. Now, we often think of the Pharisees and the Sadducees uh, kind of, we kind of grouped them together in our day. But the truth of the matter was, they weren't two uh, like-minded groups. They were, they were very uh, and vocally and uh, opposed to each other in that day. They had radically different beliefs and agendas, and they usually worked against each other, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The Pharisees, it says, believed in resurrection and angels and spirits, and the Sadducees didn't believe any of these things. I think the Pharisees accepted most of the Old Testament, including the prophets. The Sadducees basically just accepted the first five books of the Old Testament. And so usually they didn't work together. They didn't like each other. And in fact, Paul, you read Acts 23, he, uh, he defends himself against the false teachings uh, and, and against, against being falsely accused. And he turns the Pharisees in the... In the uh, the Supreme Court of the Jewish nation against the Sadducees. And he even uses that against him in Acts 23. <clears throat> but in Matthew 16, they work together. They're working together. Why were they working together? Well, they had a common enemy in Jesus. And they wanted to discredit him. They wanted to bring him down. And so they worked together. These enemies who, who wouldn't do anything together because of Jesus and because he was their common enemy uh, came to Jesus. As someone has said, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. So these came to Jesus. These two opposing groups united in their opposition to Jesus 
And they came and they said, we want a sign from heaven. Now, what are they talking about, a sign from heaven? I think they're probably talking about some dramatic and possibly catastrophic kind of natural phenomena, uh, like the Old Testament talks about making the sun stand still, or uh, something like Moses did, uh, as God did when the Israelites crossed the Red Sea and the sea parted. They wanted some kind of naturalistic, uh, catastrophic kind of sign. But they didn't ask Jesus because they wanted to believe. Because they already knew Jesus wouldn't do this because they asked him in chapter 12 for a sign and he had had refused such a request. Even if Jesus had given them some kind of sign, they would not have believed it. They were looking for an accusation to say, well, if he can't do that, he can't be the Messiah. They wanted to accuse Jesus. Now look how Jesus responded. Jesus said... He said to them, you know, you guys can forecast the weather. If there's a red sky in the morning, it usually meant that storms were rolling in from the Mediterranean Sea and it was going to be a stormy day. If, if there was a red sky in the evening when the sun was in the west, it usually meant uh, that, the next, that the evening and the next day would be a nice day. He, Jesus said, you can forecast the weather, but you can't read the signs of the time. Now, Jesus had given them already all kinds of signs, all kinds of proofs that he was who he said he was. Jesus had healed the blind. He healed the, the crippled, the lame. He healed the deaf and the mute. He had freed many, he'd freed many from, oppress, from the oppression and possession of demons. Jesus had fed multitudes with a few loaves and fishes. They'd seen these signs, but they were blind to those signs. They were blind to those signs. Even though they'd seen them, they experienced they were blind to the signs. And, they, and now they wanted another one. You know, it kind of reminds me of the old story I heard about the man um, who was, uh, whose house was being flooded. And a jeep came by the house to, to pick him up. And uh, take him out of the flood area. And he said, uh, well, you know, you guys don't have to worry about me. Uh, the Lord's going to take care of me. Well, the water continued to rise. And finally, a boat came by. And, uh, and uh, they said, you got to get out of here. You know, your house is going to be flooded. He says, you guys don't have to worry about me. The Lord's going to take care of me. Finally, he had to crawl on his roof. And a helicopter came by to... At, to rescue him from the flood. And he told the helicopter crew, you guys don't have to worry about me. The Lord's going to rescue me. Well, finally he died in the flood. And he stood before the Lord and he said, Lord, I thought you were going you to take care of me. And the Lord replied, well, I sent you a jeep, I sent you a boat, and I sent you a helicopter. You know, we ask for signs when signs have already been given. Uh, Jesus had already shown he was a Messiah in his teaching and the miracles that he'd done. He'd already shown himself to be who he claimed to be. And yet they wanted another sign. What did Jesus say about them? An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. Jesus said... I'm not going to give you what you're asking for. I am no puppet on a string giving into your demands as if I have to prove something to you. 
If they would have turned from their sin and they'd have, they'd have given up their status and their privilege, uh, there was an abundance of evidence to show who Jesus was. But you know, if you're not going to turn from your sin and you're going to hold on to it, and if you won't believe, even some kind of natural or catastrophic sign would not cause you to believe and be saved. Jesus said the sign of Jonah would be given. We talked about that a few weeks ago. Jonah himself was spit out of the fish's mouth. Was, he, he himself was assigned to the Ninevites as he preached, repent, uh, 40 days, God's going to destroy this city. And the Ninevites, because they saw Jonah, they heard his preaching, uh, they repented. Now Jesus said Jonah was the sign. And now Jesus is, is saying he himself is the sign. The very son of God who came from heaven to earth and lives among us, he himself is the sign. And then he is also going to come out of the bowels of the earth. He's going to come out of the earth, out of the grave, never to die again. If they wanted a sign, that sign's going to be given, but that's the only sign that they're going to get. Jesus himself was a sign to these leaders of God's love and God's offer of salvation. Oftentimes we hear people say, I'll believe if I have some kind of sign. But there's intellectual and natural evidence all around us. Uh, there's an arrogance in such requests as if God owed you something to try to prove himself to you or to me. You know, God doesn't have to answer us for his judgment and how he works in the world. It's not God that messes up the world. It's the, it's the world of men and women uh, and, and humanity that's in rebellion against God that's messing up the world. God doesn't have to convince the ones who will not be convinced of the truth of his words. If you reject Jesus, it's not because there's a lack of evidence, but it's because you would not believe the Savior God has provided. It's because you loved your sin more than the Savior who gave himself to save you from your sin. Now, there are honest skeptics who, who need to look at, at uh, some of the evidence and some of the proofs. And we have like the book on the table talks about uh, the, uh, the case for Easter. And there are all kinds of other kinds of evidences. And there's nothing wrong with raising questions. But if you only raise questions because you really don't want to believe. It's like the people that argue on the internet never intending to change anybody else's mind. They just like to argue. They just like to argue. Raising questions and seeking evidence makes no difference in your life. In fact, it will condemn, uh, it will lead to a greater condemnation if you refuse to turn from your sin and believe in the evidence that Jesus has already given. You see, we need to be careful to heed this first warnings. Don't keep raising questions if you, and don't keep asking them if you don't intend for it to make any difference in your life. And so Jesus gives us that warning. But I think there's a second warning, and I think that warning is meant for believers. Because he, it's a warning that he gives to his apostles. Jesus says, well, sometimes it works, and then there, oh, there it goes. Sometimes it goes too fast. Whatever. Be careful not to trust religious experts who refuse to accept the historical living Christ as the only Messiah and Savior. Be careful not to trust religious experts who refuse to accept the historical Jesus and the living Christ as the only Messiah and Savior. Now Jesus left them again 
and he crosses to the eastern side, the basically the Gentile side of the Sea of Galilee. And he gave his disciples this warning. He said, watch out and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Well, the disciples were preoccupied with worrying about what they were going to eat. Because they left bread, and they hadn't brought any bread. And so, when Jesus said, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees, they thought this warning from Jesus was because they brought no bread. Well, Jesus was aware of this discussion, and what they were thinking and discussing, and he rebukes them. He says, oh, you of little faith. I think Jesus was saying to them, listen, guys, we're not talking about bread, literal bread here. When we talk about the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, what are you even thinking? I think Jesus was saying to them, oh, you of little faith. And then Jesus said, you know, you've seen me miraculously provide for a Jewish crowd of 5,000 men plus women and children with just a few loaves and fishes. You'd seen me provide a Gentile crowd of 4,000 men plus women and children with just a few loaves and fishes. And Jesus says, you're worried about where you're going to get your lunch? Jesus asked them, he said, think higher, think greater, think better about what was really important. And then he repeated his warning. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Now notice something here. After Jesus repeated the warning, he didn't explain it at all. He just said, think about it. And, and, and evidently the disciples are growing some because it says in verse 12, they understood that he did not tell them to beware of the leaven of bread, but of the teachings of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They, they start to get what Jesus was talking about. You see, Jesus said, beware of these religious experts. Beware of those who claim to know God's truth, but don't really know it. You see, the Pharisees and the Sadducees were the PhDs and the religious professors and experts of the day. They were teachers and professors and they supposedly knew the way to help to live for God and help others live for God. They supposedly knew God's law and supposedly were experts in interpreting the prophets. The Pharisees and the scribes were the pastors and the clergy and the religious teachers of the day. Uh, The Sadducees were of the family from which the high priest came and was named in Israel. They had all the credentials. But they did not recognize the Messiah of Israel when he appeared. And the Pharisees were so focused on their traditions about the word of God that they missed the truth of the word of God that pointed to Jesus as the Messiah and the Savior. And so Jesus said... Beware of the leaven of the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Beware of anyone who rejects Jesus and the grace offered through him. Beware of anyone who removes Christ from being central to what it means to live and believe and be saved. You know, today... Supposedly, there are many experts who teach at colleges and universities and seminaries all around the world. Many of them have studied the Bible, and they studied books of others written about the Bible and specific books. And 
And that's good. We should study the Bible. And we should read the writings of those who, who try to seek to understand about the Bible. But we almost, but when we read those kind of books from those kind of experts, we need to ask ourselves a fundamental question about them to see if they're worth studying or not. To see if they're worth reading or not. What do they say about Jesus? What do they say about Jesus? Is Jesus God the Son who became flesh and dwelt among us? Is Jesus the virgin-born Son of God who lived the perfect life and died on the cross in our place so we can be forgiven? Do they deny the virgin birth? Do they deny the sacrifice of Jesus? Do they deny His perfect life? If they deny any of these things, they're really basically outside the pale. Is Jesus the one who literally, physically, bodily rose from the dead and who ascended to heaven literally, physically, and bodily? Is Jesus the one who's going to come again one day to earth and going to, going to rule and reign as King of kings and Lord of lords forever? Is Jesus the way, the truth, and the life? Is Jesus the name, is the name of Jesus the name, only name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved? What do they teach about Jesus? Do they embrace Jesus personally and, and follow him personally? What do they say about Jesus? Do they misconstrue the truth of Jesus? Um, when I was pastor in uh, Iowa, um, we had a ministerial group that I was a part of. And, and we tried to come up with just a, just a basic uh, we decided, are we going to be a Christian group or are we not going to be a Christian group? And the consensus of those who came was that we're going to be a Christian group. Well, we had all kinds of people. We had Methodists and we had, uh, we had Roman Catholics and we had some uh, Baptists in assembly. We had all kinds of group. And, uh, and so, you know, we said, well, what, you know, what kind of doctrinal statement can we all agree on? And so we came up with one that most of us could agree on. And basically it was John 14, 6. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. To be a part of this group, you confess that Jesus alone is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the way of salvation. That was basically, that's a minimal doctrinal statement if I ever heard one. But even then there were some who didn't want to. Confess that. They said that leaves people out. And I remember one of the pastors said, well, you know, I believe Jesus is my way, but I don't know if he's the way. You see, if you can't confess that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, that men and women and boys and girls, it's through Him that we are saved. You're not going to say much of anything else that's worth anything. What do they say about Jesus? And there are many supposed experts that are teaching on campuses and in churches that denied the ultimate reality of who Jesus is. And we got to be careful about 
about those people and what they teach. Because Jesus says a little leaven leavens the whole dough. You see, a little of the teaching that denigrates Jesus, a little of the teaching that makes Jesus less than who he was, a little of the teaching that says we can be saved except uh, another way except through Jesus, uh, it, it, a little of the teaching that says you can believe anything you want to believe as long as you're sincere, a little of that teaching can bring about the ruin of men and women and boys and girls. And not just the ruin in this life, but the eternal ruin. See, what was the deal with the Pharisees and the Sadducees? What did they agree on? Well, they agreed that they didn't like Jesus. <laughs> That's what they agreed on. They agreed that they, Jesus was not who he was claiming to be. And if you don't get Jesus right, you won't get anything else right. You won't get anything else right. You see, I can disagree with some brothers and sisters about spiritual gifts, about some other things. And I believe different Christians, because we, we are human beings and we're not going to get everything right, we could be wrong in certain areas. But I'm telling you, we better agree that Jesus is the hope of the world and the way of salvation. Be careful because, you know, there's a lot of people that write all kinds of books. And they go to them and they ask them for interviews, you know, when certain religious subjects come up. But what do they believe about Jesus? Be careful not to trust any so-called religious expert who refuses to accept the historical and living Jesus as the only Messiah and the Savior. I think we need to heed these warnings that Jesus gives us today. We need to be careful about raising questions and seeking evidence while, we make, uh, while it makes no difference in our lives, where we don't want to turn from sin and we don't want to give up anything and we really don't want to believe in Jesus because He would make certain claims of our life. You see, if it, don't get me wrong, it's, it's not wrong to question. It's not wrong to even have doubts. But if you, if you have doubts only to just keep wallowing in those doubts and you really don't want to find the answer and even if you did find the right answers, your life wouldn't change anyway, then, the, then you're just wasting your time. Then you're a part of that evil and adulterous generation. Uh, if you have questions, we want to help you uh, a- answer those questions. If you have honest questions... We believe that there are answers to those honest questions. Not that we can help you understand everything about everything in life, but we can help you understand about who Jesus is and why he came. But if you only raise questions never wanting to truly understand, never wanting to really have your life changed, those questions will only cause you to harden your heart in unbelief. Also, brothers and sisters, be careful not to trust religious experts who refuse to accept the historical and living Christ as the only Messiah. Don't be one today who trusts people who really don't know what they're talking about. Don't be one who blindly refuses to believe the truth of Jesus and misses out on His great love. Be sure to not allow your position, 
your status, your privilege, or anything else keep you from the love of Christ. From the love of Christ. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we, we do love you. And we do thank you for the warnings of your word. And Father, we, we pray that there's no one here that's playing with you in any way. But we pray that we come to you and we honestly want our lives to be conformed to the image of Jesus. We know that Jesus alone is the way, the truth, and the life. Lord, help us and protect us from those who teach Jesus is something less than the only hope for the world. Lord, help us to encourage those who, Lord, raise questions, but they really don't want to change to know that they are in danger and they need they need Jesus more than they need anything else. Oh, Lord, please work in our lives. Draw us to Yourself. It is in Your name that we pray. Amen.